0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to NACTA's virtual program today. The topic is travel in a post COVID world. Since mid May, NACTA and our 17 affiliates have created in excess of 170 hours of virtual programming, all of which is available to each of you for repurposing to your staff. If you wish to jump on and see what's available, please go to our website, www.nACTA.com. Slash virtual. So our topic today is a topic that does not generate a lot of program within, the, within, um, w- within um, all of intercollegiate athletics, but with winter sports upon us, we feel the need for education on travel is greater than ever. With us today, we have a bona fide expert in Jaina Anthony, who is founder and CEO of Anthony Travel. John has 30 years of experience in the collegiate athletic team travel marketplace and relationships he has exclusively with in excess of 80 athletics departments. In addition to those athletics departments, John also has a myriad of exclusive relationships with NACTA, the NCAA, NABC, and USA football. So we're really glad to have John and his staff with us today to help us out. Before I introduce John, who will give us an overview on where we are, I wanted to give you an update on the format that we're going to be using for today's session. We're going to cover travel in the order that a trip occurs. We're going to talk about air, hotels, buses, charters, ground transportation and everything in between. You know, NACTA has an excess of 2000 members, so we're going to try to uh, touch base. We're gonna to try to have a little education for every one of our members. John and his team have compiled a series of videos and graphs that will ju- that will guide us through this journey. As moderator, I have a number of questions that I'll be uh, asking John throughout the session. And then in the final 15 minutes, we'll, we'll leave for any questions you all might have. If you like to ask a question anytime during the course of the first 45 minutes, Just click the button on your screen that says, ask a question, and you will be able to text that question in the box. Now, I'd like to introduce John Anthony, who will give us a little update on where we've been and how this all started way back in March and kind of to where we are now. John, please take it away.
1: Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you and uh, talk about travel again. You know, you look back, as you said, to March and- on that uh, fateful March 12th, when all the tournaments canceled, everything changed for all of us pretty dramatically. And uh, I know for us on that day, it was conference basketball uh, tournament season, right? So we had over 200 teams spread out around the country that we had to get home in a hurry. And uh, some were flying commercials, some were on buses, some were flying charter. Everybody wanted to get home immediately. So, um, You know, there weren't enough charters to be had and, and, you know, it wasn't like calling an Uber, you could get home, get home that afternoon. So um, that was pretty crazy over the next few weeks after that, as everything got canceled for the spring. We canceled twenty eight million dollars of hotel contracts for for NCAA championships. We canceled seventeen million dollars of hotel contracts for schools uh, for the rest of the season. Eight million dollars of airline flights, four million dollars of bus contracts it was it was crazy over 100,000 200,000 room nights uh, for hotel contracts canceled. So that was that was crazy for everybody and a lot of work. Then we got into the summer and trying to figure out when their thing's going to start and everybody had some different uh, plans coming. And, you know, everybody's got different different conferences obviously chose different different routes to get going again. So Um, I know it's hard for everybody at the schools, it's hard for us, but since we've worked across 23 conferences, we've seen a lot of different ways that, that, uh, in different schools, everybody's approaching things differently. So Our job has been to really just learn from everybody else um, across the industry, see how they're doing it, and then assemble it all and take a best practices, best of the best and bring it back to everybody we work with. Um, I don't think any of this is rocket science on what we're doing. But it's work that has to be done. Somebody's got to do it. We've been trying to assemble that information, get it together uh, and be able to take care of folks as as best we can um, so that it's safe and successful for everyone.
0: Well, that's great. And now with uh, fall season, uh, fall season kind of in the middle and winter sports approaching, it's now uh, more important than ever to have those administrators who might not have dipped their toe into that travel water yet to really pay attention and learn from the experts, if you will. So the first question I have is what steps can administrators take now in order to facilitate safe and efficient travel?
1: I think the first thing you got to do really is just in the planning process, you got to be proactive and it's, it's what everybody, every administrator has been doing all summer, right? They, there's so many different scenarios. You've got everything from worst case to best case uh, and everything in between. So, um, thinking about all that, working through on that, having the plans. Um, obviously you need department wide, you need some protocols on how you're going to do things, safety numbers, um, all sorts of things that, that we've been, that we've all been working on, as I say, all summer and fall. Um, you need a quarantine plan in place for the road trips. If something happens, and we can talk about that later in more detail. If you want, um, you want to, you want to know what your vendors are doing and what they're what their protocols are. You want to know, uh, have good relationship, have good plan in place. Obviously your student athletes, you know, they haven't been out on the road much in, in this time, new, new ways either. So maybe take the time to do a little session with the student athletes and educate them on the difference of what it's going to be like on the road now. And then, um, not to be missed through all that is, This is not the same everywhere. It's not just country to country that is different, but it's also state jurisdiction to jurisdiction that it can be different. So um, trying to understand where you're going and and what you need to know for that environment that you're getting into is is important as well. In fact, United's put out a little thing on their website um, with an online tool uh, to help with that. And and I'd like to maybe take a look at that on on a short video that they showed.
2: Another great announcement um, you know, that, that I personally welcome uh, has to do with all the travel restrictions. I mean, they're maddening, the travel restrictions around the country, it's 108 travel restrictions, by the way, around the world, I should say, globally. And uh, very recently, we introduced what, we, what what's uh, tagged as a destination travel guide. It's actually an app that gives you tremendous insights as uh, relative to all the travel restrictions around the globe. Uh, How they all work, what you know, what the obstacles are, what needs to be done pre-travel to prepare for a trip, Uh, and it also gives insights relative to um, local markets, what what maybe concessions may be accessible or not, not accessible, accessible, the hotel environment, and other other uh, uh, insights, if you will, um, relative to planning a trip. Uh, And I've been playing with it a little bit. It's really uh, dynamic, and we're going to continue to. Uh, to improve upon the app as possible. So check it out, it's uh, uh, really neat. And it can be found on united.com, by the way, that's called the Destination Travel Guide.
1: So that's just one tool that folks can use to help for the destination. But uh, maybe just to summarize, I'd say, uh, same things you're hearing everywhere else. Have everybody wear a mask, Uh, keep your bubble tight. Um, I know we all like to be grateful to all the people that are serving us and working with us. But times are different now in that, so don't interact with the bus driver, um, don't cozy up, uh, you know, and make small talk with the flight attendant. Um, don't let a housekeeper in your room in the hotel. You know, keep your bubble tight when you're on the road, just like you're trying to do at home, and wipe down all the surfaces. So those are just masks, tight bubble, and stay, stay, you know, uh, clean with everything you're touching.
0: That's great. Well, that app is that app is really cool. I'm going to have to get that myself and uh, much needed. Everybody should have that On because, like you said, every state has has a different rule. Right. Yeah. And we're going to show a few things throughout
1: this session, Bob, because, as I said, we're learning the best of the best from everything. So we're going to show a number of things that we see going on with different vendors from from different hotel operators to different airlines as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. Okay, now what about athletics departments? What what plan should be should an athletics department put in place if a trip needs to be canceled last minute? What what you know what rules? What should they have going into a trip so that they can look on that cheat sheet and say, okay, this is what we have to do because invariably it's going to happen. Yeah, I, you know,
1: as you say, it, it kind of think back to when we all started working computers and we learned to garbage in, garbage out. So the best thing you can do is is make sure you're working with the right folks. Make sure you've got good partners that um, from your travel management partner to your airlines, to your hotels, to your buses, make sure you're working with groups that that are going to understand the value of the business you bring to them that have dealt with this already, that understand the fluidity of the situation. Um, Our partners have been great with us, as I said, uh, you know, to open the show. When I mentioned about that, what was that, seventeen? That was it uh, was about $35,000 million of, of travel that we canceled. Um, no, it was 45, um, between the hotel air and bus that was without penalties. Right? So you want to be in a situation where you're working with folks that can help you with that, um, as much as possible in advance, you know, now, since we were dealing with it so much and even then, but, uh, it's contractual in most of our cases now that we, we can make these changes. We're not asking for favors now. We got it negotiated in, and so that's what I would would advise you to make sure you're doing policies in the contracts in advance that allow you to change things and cancel as you need to. Again, it gets well, again, back to that
0: proactive planning. Yeah, that's great. Well, again, you know, going back to putting a plan together, especially for those institutions that maybe have not really had any opportunity yet to travel what I thought about going into this session was I can't tell you how many of our sales reps have been furloughed. So, Uh I mean, if, you know, our United rep, our Hilton reps, I mean, and it's just the way it's going right now. So if you're out there as a lone ranger trying to put all these travel in, you might've always leaned on a salesperson. That person might not be there any longer. So it's real important that you plan out things properly and really uh, take advantage of some of the relationships, whether it's with Anthony Travel or whether it's with your, your counterparts within the conference, because, uh, you know, you might compete like heck on the playing field and hard hard surfaces, but when it comes to administration and, and, and sharing trade secrets, uh, it's a brother and sisterhood for sure. So... Okay, let's talk about going through the airport. Um, I haven't traveled at all. What's what's security like? Uh,
1: That's a great question. So, as we think about this, you know, now the trip begins. You're heading to the airport. Um, you'll see. You won't see as many people there as you're accustomed to. Uh, the airports do not look crowded. Um, I was happy to see when I when I head back to my home airport recently. The same people were at TSA. Um, in my case, they all knew me by name because I'm, I'm there as much as they are uh, throughout the last 30 years. But uh, but it was like, you know, my wife was making fun of me as I'm getting uh, socially distant hugs from TSA people. Uh, welcome back. And so um, they will be happy to see you, but things will be different. So um, let, let's show a quick video on some of the things that TSA has done uh, that they've put in place to handle all this.
3: TSA remains dedicated to our mission of ensuring travelers get to their destinations safely and securely. Here's what we're doing to focus on the health and safety of travelers and the TSA workforce. Passengers are encouraged to wear masks and practice social distancing of six feet whenever possible. TSA officers are required to wear facial protection and gloves. TSA is installing plastic shielding at various points of interaction between travelers and TSA officers to reduce physical contact, passengers will keep possession of their IDs and boarding passes, placing their boarding passes on the reader themselves and holding it up to the officer for visual inspection. Passengers may be asked to adjust their masks for identification purposes. Passengers may be directed outside of the checkpoint to remove or repack items like laptops, liquids, gels and aerosols, and then resubmit their property for screening. Passengers should remove belts and all items from pockets and put them in their carry-ons instead of bins. Food items should be placed in a clear plastic bag and placed into a bin. TSA is allowing one liquid hand sanitizer container, up to 12 ounces per passenger, in carry-on bags. Officers must change their gloves after each pat-down and screening rotation. They will also change their gloves upon passenger request. TSA has increased the intensity and frequency of cleaning and disinfecting frequently touched surfaces and security screening equipment including bins.
1: So you can see there, it's not unlike what you would expect. It's a lot of focus on the cleanliness, not touching each other, um, wearing masks, wearing gloves. Um, you're holding your own boarding pass um, instead of handing it to them. Um, I think the biggest difference I noticed there is the food. You know, they're, The food, uh, they're suggesting that you pack any food in a clear plastic bag so they can see it so they don't have to touch it because that sometimes sets off some alarms. Um, and same thing with any other, with your belts or personal items, go ahead and put it in your personal bag if you can, rather than have it on because you just, nobody wants to be touching anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Okay. So now we're through security and now we're on the plane. What, again, I haven't traveled. What, 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 are you, what have you experienced and what can our administrators experience both like in a commercial flight probably and in a, uh, in a charter flight? You know, to get on the to get on the plane, Bob. I
1: want to talk about a couple. One other thing on the uh, just all the new technology the airlines have put in place. They've spent. Um, and this has been going on for a few years now, where they've been investing on the on the experience. And, and the air, the airlines consider that flight experience now to begin when you get on their property. So they consider the airport arrival and all that now. So they've invested in some things that are really cool um, before you actually sit down in the plane. That is really helping now in a way that nobody, you know, obviously, nobody saw this coming. But in this touchless society that we're that we're dealing with now in an airport and well across society, um, the facial recognition things they've got, the credential authenticate authentication authentication technology, where you insert an ID and pull it out um, and it cross references, and so it it is doing a lot of the work that you used to have to do. Um, the gate agents had to do, Um, you know, we just saw TSA a little bit, Um, and where you had to interact with people that now are out of the system. And so um, there's been um, some body scanners that reduce the number of pat-downs, 3D technologies, reducing the number of bags that need to be checked. Um, The facial recognition, as I said, you know, on a lot of international flights now, with Delta, you don't even um, have to, show your boarding pass and sometimes you don't even have to show the, the passport definitely not to show it as many times as you used to because it's reading you um from your eyes matching you to your passport holding up your information that matches what flight you're on um so it's some really it's some really cool stuff um so let's take a look at, at some of that that we're that's being implemented this is the this is the the uh the facial recognition as i say it's more on international flights right now but you can expect these things to, to go mainstream where you just show, um, you know, the airline, the Delta has sent the manifest already to customs border patrol. They've got you identified. They see your photo when you do the check-in and it automatically pulls up your information and you go. Now the really cool one that just was debuted earlier this year, and this is another Delta product, um, that they showed this year. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a biometric technology that's personalizing things in a way that, that blows my mind, Bob, this is, it's almost freaky. Um, as I said, they debuted this, uh, at the consumer electronics show in in January, but, um, they are recognizing who you are and tailoring the flight boards to recognize you and put up your information. So you and I can be standing next to each other. We can speak totally different languages, looking at the same board, and we're, get, we're both reading something different in our own language about the flight that we're booked on. It is, it, it is it's unreal, unreal, it's really cool. I think we've got a, a short video that kind of shows that a little bit too. It's called Parallel Reality.
0: Welcome to an airport designed for you. Biometric technology lets you breeze through every step faster. Permanent bag tags enabled with GPS let you see where your bag is, anytime, anywhere. You move through security seamlessly, without ever stopping. The whole experience feels more personalized. Parallel reality displays show you only the travel information that's relevant to you. yours.
1: So that was really cool. I don't know if you even noticed it. When, when she walked through security, she never stopped. When she dropped off her bag, she never stopped. So it's just an encoded technology in your bag. When you get there, you slide it through and it's gonna know where you're going. When you walk through security, you didn't have to do all the things we do now. Do now. So that's obviously not today, but that's the investments being made over the past few years that are being accelerated now. I think you know, I and others are calling COVID the great accelerator. It's accelerating some of these changes um, into the flying experience. So, anyway, then let's get on the plane, as you said. Um, the public stuff we've all read about is you know, is the plane going to be crowded or not? And it really depends on the airline. They're choosing to handle it differently right now. And, and I understand this is challenging because they've got to survive and it is not easy. So, some airlines are blocking the middle seats. I think you see Delta, Southwest, JetBlue, and Alaska. They're still blocking middle seats as of today. That could change tomorrow for any of them, um, whereas other major carriers are not blocking seats. And you can expect when they're not blocking seats, or, or no matter what airline, whatever they're eligible to be selling right now is probably going to be occupied. So don't think you're getting onto an empty plane. They have uh, very expertly managed their fleet size, and they've got lots and lots of planes parked out on the tarmac that are not in use. And so the, the, the planes are full. The seats are full. Um, so you'll see that they're boarding differently instead of everybody rushing to get on and all the point system and whatnot uh, process they had before. They're really going back to more of the way it was 20 years ago, board, order uh, boarding the plane from the back to the front so that when you get on, you're just not crossing paths with as many people. Same thing when the plane parks, they're de- deplaning from the front to the back. Um, and then when you get off the plane, this is this is certainly different. The cleaning process is much more meticulous, really amped up. And again, some new technology at work here. Uh, we have a really quick, quick eight second video of a cool thing United's doing to clean their planes right now. So there you go. You know, it's, um, yeah, you'll still see the, the, The the usual people as waiting as you get off a plane to come rushing in all gloved up and masked up to wipe down the trays and and all the other places they're wiping down. But in addition to that, you've got a robot coming in and doing this antro anti micro bacterial spray that goes really deep and and is effective. So I think it's a safe I think it's a safe environment. A lot of people are asking about the air on the plane. Um, You know, they're they're kind of. trying to compare the airplane now to, to an operating room at a hospital with as clean as it is, it gets uh, filtrated out every two to three minutes. So uh, it is a clean environment. Um, you know, we suggest people bring their own beverage on board. So they're not having to have the interactions. Um, you know, if you can eat beforehand, so you don't need, cause you're not getting full meal service or anything at best, you'll just be handed a bag when you get on. Um, all those things are important, but, uh, Let's take one more video on just the, the, kind of what Delta is doing to the airplanes uh, as well.
4: We're implementing one of the most important cleanliness factors you can't see. We're using an electrostatic sprayer to sanitize the aircraft. We spray and sanitize all surfaces, including overhead bins and lavatories thoroughly before every single flight. Don't worry, it's immediately safe to breathe afterwards. Every night, we spray and sanitize the jet bridge and gate areas, and we're expanding it to catering and baggage claim. Our teams wipe down and sanitize high touch surfaces and lavatories. We understand that cabin air quality is critical to feeling safe. The air on all of our aircraft is completely refreshed 10 to 30 times per hour. Air flows into the cabin from above each seat and is pulled out at floor level. This helps limit person to person airflow. Air is then refreshed with outside air and air that's been filtered through high-grade HEPA filters, which function in a similar way to filtration systems used in hospitals. These filters remove 99.99% of particles, including viruses. Remember to allow some extra space while deplaning front to back, again in smaller groups to reduce contact in the aisles. When you pick up your bag. You'll notice distancing markers and sanitizing stations throughout baggage claim, so you can stay safe even as you depart the airport.
0: Well, I feel a lot better now after uh, <laughs> watching those videos. That's for sure.
1: I think it's safe, but oh yeah, we hope.
0: So, so once your team is on the plane, and um, you know what 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 changes are made if, if something happens that the flight's canceled. I mean, what what. Mm-hmm what do you do? Yeah,
1: cancellations are pretty, pretty mainstream now. Um,
0: as I mentioned, they're
1: managing their fleets pretty aggressively right now. So, uh, it's like everything else during COVID expect it to change, expect the unexpected. Don't be shocked. Um, put that mindset into you, into your own head and into everybody else that you're dealing with your coaches, your players. I know we all are,
5: you know, all the coaches
1: uh, as much as they love, routine and love sticking to a plan. Um, this just isn't the year for it. It's not 2020. So um, I would tell people to expect that, that something could change. You may end up needing, it's not going to be on the, on the day of travel, by the way, but w- we get notified or you do in advance. You may end up having to split onto different flights because, because your flight got changed. You may need to end up at a different carrier or a different airport. Um, that That's just 2020.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, you know, we talked about commercial. Uh, what happens on charter planes? Is the experience the same? Um, charter's never the same as commercial, right, Bob? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's why everybody wants to charter. Uh, it, it is. There are some similarities, yes, but it is different. And um, actually, just, just recently, the Longhorn Network put out a great uh, segment And it was it was over five minutes about Texas football first road trip and just how things are looking different. Um, So I'd love to we won't show all five minutes, but I think we pulled about about a minute clip just on their charter and how they had to think about it. And rather than people having to listen to me, let's show that and let them hear from hear from uh, their their peers in, in Austin.
3: One way Texas is taking extra precaution is to limit who can travel on the team plane and instead bus as many people as possible to Lubbock. Another area for scrutiny is the seating chart on the flight.
0: I think probably the biggest thing is what I have learned about the contact tracing on on an airplane, which is if a kid tests positive within 48 hours of being on that airplane, the two rows behind him and the two rows in front of him are, are gonna get wiped out.
1: I was sitting with my staff and we literally had the seating chart up on a TV um, outside of our office and we were playing like, it was like a puzzle, you know, we're like moving people around and okay, can this person be behind that person and it, it just, it's, and there's no, there's no perfect answer. I think the best place to start are with roommates because if a roommate was to test positive, then those people in that household would then have to quarantine. Probably, in my opinion, one of the worst things to do is to put everybody in the same position next to each other because then you're exposing yourself to a high risk there if something were to happen. So really, you're looking at how can you best distribute the roster that's coming with you so that you're not taking out a group of the same position. We don't have to turn in the seating chart until Thursday night, and Thursday ends at 11.59 p.m. on Thursday, so I might turn it in at 11.59 p.m. on Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> so as, you, as, as I mentioned, that's real, That's some really good information, real world that people are living. So some of the other differences in charter versus commercial, Bob, you know, the most obvious one is you choose who's on the plane. So, um, you know, we're all awfully concerned about contact tracing and, and safety, and we don't know who's sitting next to us. In, in a charter, you do, you know who you're traveling with. So that by far, I think is the biggest advantage. Um, you can do security differently as you always have been able to with the charter. Um, and if you're doing enough of them, then, uh, you can get reduced screenings as well. So that's a little bit easier. You get more control of your food and beverage as always. Um, they are not allowing some things like in the past, we've always, we've had some, some charters where we wanted to do special things with material on the plane or, um, seat covers and things like that. Can't do any of that anymore. Um, not passing out pillows, blankets, whatnot. That's more like a a commercial flight. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, great. Okay. We've answered the majority of the airline issues. Now the next step in our journey would be, okay, you get to your destination and you you disembark and hop on a bus. What happens there? What? Was there any governmental regulations? What, uh, give us some insight at what's going on with the, with the charter bus industry?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Bob, because the, when you mentioned government, uh, they're the ones who are are really the losers in this. When you look at the government um, stimulus and and support that's been provided, which has been so critical across the travel industry, the bus industry hasn't really gotten it. So there's probably going to be some fallout Um, estimates are as high as almost half of the bus companies may not survive, um, which is really sad. I don't know if it'll get that high in, in within their circles. That's what they're, they're saying. And they're talking about, um, cause those buses are expensive and most of it's on credit. So, uh, they can't, they can't service that debt. They've got, they've got to figure out a way and, and some of them just may not make it. So what that's going to do as we see, you know, some of these bus drivers that were furloughed have just gotten off and gotten other jobs. So you may have a new bus driver, um, who may not be as familiar. Um, you definitely want a good relationship with your bus company for all the same reasons that we say on everything else. But in this case, you you want to make sure that they don't subcontract to another bus carrier. You know, you've you've chosen that carrier for a reason, that operator, um, based on your relationship, based on what they can do. Uh, but subcontracting is a big deal and a, a common occurrence in the bus industry. Uh, most of our contracts don't ever allow it, um, so you should be safe. But um out there on your own, definitely address that up front um, with, you, with your carrier so that it doesn't happen. Um, and then also the seating on the bus, you know, uh you know that Longhorn Network showed a great thing about the airplane uh seating. It's pretty similar with the bus. So you can you should put a lot of thought into your bus seating and and, and probably for the first time are going to um assign seats maybe to your passengers on a bus. And it's not going to, you know. Again, this is up to every school. We're seeing we're seeing different things, but an awful lot of folks are not using um, are not are not filling every seat anymore on the bus. And um, and so that's that's some different ways to do it as well. Um, You know what the seating chart could be. Um, uh, In fact, let me maybe we could pull up uh, show you some a couple of different ways we've seen seating charts on the buses. So here you go, you've got you've got the diagonal way or you've got the just use the window way. It's probably, you know, a uh, matter of taste which one you prefer. Those are the two ways we're seeing um, seeing most of, most of the busing done. Some of the other things we're seeing done, as you, as you mentioned and, and heard about, some people are, are busing and said, and they mentioned on that video, some are using buses instead of planes, so it's longer rides. Mm-hmm. And so that brings in some complicating factors uh, with bus drivers. Um, You know, do you need multiple bus drivers? Um, We're always seeing plexiglass almost always behind the bus driver and leaving that front row safe. But now if you've got a second bus driver, are you going to have them come along? Are you going to have your bus driver tested? Uh, Bus companies aren't doing regular COVID testing like schools are for their student athletes, but they are willing to do it if the school will pay for it. So some schools are paying for that bus driver to be tested the day before, give the results. Um, again, this is sometimes raising expenses, right? We're talking about are you taking two buses instead of one, eight buses instead of four because you're not using all the seats. Now you're talking about having, a, having them assign two drivers for every single bus you need and having testing done the day before so you've got backup because you you know you can't miss the game. So um, these are some real, real challenges in the bus industry and for our industry as well, working with them they're great partners. They want to make it work with you. They'll work with you. But it goes back to, you know, you got to start this with plans and you got to start early and you got to communicate. and You got to choose the
0: right partners. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Are you going to show us a video of a robot going down the bus aisle? too? I haven't seen that
2: yet, but maybe (laughs) maybe that'll be tomorrow. (laughs) Well, the next
0: obvious question is, you know, besides driver safety and equipment safety, um, you know, how can you ensure that those buses are clean and that they're, they're sanitized properly?
1: Yeah, it, it gets back to the same kind of stuff. Don't touch anything. You don't have to, um, we're asking bus drivers and you should to ask your bus drivers just to stand back when you're boarding. Um, no more fist bumps for every player that walks through with a bus driver. Um, those sort of things. It's, uh, and bags, unload, load up your own bags. Don't, don't make the bus driver touch every bag. Uh, we're just doing everything possible to reduce the chance for spread. Right, right.
0: All right, uh, next question, next step in the journey, um, you get off the plane, maybe you're going to rent three or four vans versus using a bus. Um, or maybe when you know, your coaches travel or maybe there's limousine service in some way, shape, or form, what can you tell us about those two uh, transportation uh, mechanisms?
1: Yeah, um, I would tell you, and, and we'll move through this stuff quickly. But the uh, the car rental companies and the and the and the sedan company are doing similar things. They they are cleaning these things meticulously. Um, this is this is the national enterprise uh, diagram. They've got twenty touch points on a car that they are sanitizing in between every single rental. So you can feel safe that something wasn't left on it from the, from the previous passenger. Picking up the car and going through that process, again, they don't want you to have to touch anything. You shouldn't have to touch anything. Um, this is the way they're doing it to avoid, you know, make it as touchless as possible. But I would tell you, if you have not already signed up for an express service with your rental car, uh, you've been doing it wrong every time you've rented a car. Uh, Bob, I, I know I'm talking to you, a veteran of the industry, and national from way back um but it's only gotten better and better and it does not cost anything to sign up for an express program with a car company so find out what your university's preferred car company is uh since bob worked at national i'll put in a plug for them they've got a tremendous program um, that i'm a big fan of where you choose your own car too but you really you don't have to touch anything anybody go get in your vehicle and take off um and then with the, with the chauffeur, you know, everything from Uber to, to a limo, um, it's, it's a similar stuff to what you've heard. You, you're gonna have to wear a mask. The drivers probably should be wearing a mask. They're gonna have plexiglass behind the driver and um, you're, gonna be at, you're not gonna sit in the front seat. You should stay as far away from the driver as possible. You don't wanna be any closer to the driver than the driver wants to be to you. So just, uh, just accept that and, and stay distant.
0: Right, good. Thank you. Good information. Okay. Okay. The next step is uh, disembark the hotel, disembark the airport. On the hotel, you pull up to the hotel. <laughs> a whole, a whole new world. Once we it have the whole new world, world. yeah, that is. And you know,
1: a lot of folks used to pull up to the hotel, as you said, and they'd stay on the bus. And the ops person, assistant coach, coach runs in, gets all the keys, and everybody's just out there playing on their phones. Well, um, that that now is going to be different where hopefully you get all the keys in advance, and you get it passed out. And um, then nobody goes to a front desk, nobody touches the key, you know, the hotels have aggressively been trying to get everybody to use their apps too and to switch to their phone. Um, because their apps now, generally have mobile check in. And a lot of them have mobile keys also where you can actually use your phone to be the key to your room. So Again, if you're concerned about touching things, then there are ways around that and you should you should aggressively uh, be downloading the, that hotel app and using it. Um, but same sort of thing, schools are switching. A lot of them are switching from having doubles, to having singles on the road. Um, you know, you're trying to see if a hotel will give you just a floor to yourself, just for your team. It depends on your numbers, of course. But you're trying, and the hotels are too. You are, they are, everybody's trying to minimize the interaction. And so if you can get your own floors, if you can skip the front desk, if you can skip the keys, um, you know, you, you've got a better chance for safety. So we've compiled a little bit of what Marriott and Hilton have both put out, and, and we'll show you a little video on that as well.
4: To address safe group travel practices and evolve today's event experience, Hilton introduces Event Ready with Clean Stay. Shaped by extensive research and feedback, Event Ready with CleanStay is designed to create event experiences that are clean, flexible, safe, and socially responsible. Each event is backed by Hilton Hospitality. The program expands on the elevated sanitation standards of Hilton CleanStay by addressing every touch point of the event experience. This includes CleanStay room seals for guest and event rooms, an Event Ready room checklist, sanitizing stations in public areas and event space, and disinfection of common touch points.
5: Back to our hotels around the world, we are committed to providing you with a safe environment aligns with expert protocols for working to defeat COVID-19. With consultation from our experts in public health, we are redefining our cleaning and safety standards. Starting with our public spaces and high traffic areas, we're going above and beyond our normal protocols. We are cleaning services with increased frequency, dedicated staff, and recommended cleaning agents. Hand sanitizing stations are being installed at hotel entrances, at our front desks, our elevator banks, and meeting spaces. We will be adding partitions at check-in to provide extra level of precaution for our guests and their associates. In our guest rooms, we have added to our rigorous protocols, ensuring all surfaces are thoroughly cleaned with hospital-grade disinfectants. And we will be placing disinfecting wipes in each room for your use. Our mobile technologies provide reassurance and distancing options for guests. In over 3,200 hotels, your phone can be used to check in, access your room, and order room service. It can be specially packaged and delivered right to your door without contact. So, um, what I would add to
1: that is make sure you turn down housekeeping. Every uh, decline housekeeping. You don't need anybody in your room while you're there. Um, you saw how meticulously clean it is before you get there. Deal with it for your stay, and then let them clean it again when you get out. At, when you get out. Um, and the other thing is just what protocol have you set for your team when they're not when they're not uh, occupied. Are they allowed to leave the hotel or not? I know it's getting out of the hotel, but again, every interaction elsewhere. Uh, increases the chance of of infection so a lot of folks are really quarantining in the room there
0: right and when, so, and when you say um go ahead and when you say quarantine that means reiterating time and time again to our student athletes stay in your room don't interact with hotel personnel don't be loitering in the lobby like you used to all yeah. those things right i mean you just have to keep reiterating Right. And, and, and some of that could be
1: hard and it's up to the school to determine because they've got friends or family that have come to see the game and come to see them. Are you going to allow that or not? I, I, I'm not saying which way you should, but you, you better think about it and you better plan it in advance and you better communicate it with your student athletes.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. What about the meals, John? What, uh, no, what are in, the, uh, in, the, in the food service industry relative to team meals and all that? yeah well we've seen one football game canceled already when a team
1: said that they got uh they got covid spread at their previous game during their pregame meal so um that team has now gone to a massive ballroom in the convention center next to their hotel where they're eating their meals but uh really 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 spread out uh compared to what they thought was going to be okay so we're seeing a lot of different things bob right the breakfast is pretty well standard gone to a grab and go either dropped off at their door or come down to the room and pick it up. Um, but you know, for a football team, you still need that that big pregame meal and the Friday night meal. So the buffets are still um, are still at it, but it's just different. You've got people more spread out. You've got the servers um, obviously fully masked up and gloved up, but maybe you're not all sitting down in the room like you used to. Maybe you're taking it back to your room. Um, to each individual room. Maybe you are uh, going to a ballroom that's more spread out. Um, some hotels aren't even doing catering. They're not doing the, the breakfast that they used to um, or they're not doing any catering at all. So again, get out in advance and, and, and a lot of communication required on that. But the, but the touch points as that slide picked up, same thing. They're, they're cleaning, they're, they're prepared for it as a hotel. I have a pretty high degree of confidence in most hotels and you get into personal preference right now between Airbnb to a big national chain, to an independent, um, you know, it it probably is best just if you really know who you're working with. I'm not saying any, any one of those things is better than the other, but you should look into it before you're locking in or, or hopefully your partner is
0: right. Okay. I have one more question, John to ask you, which will complete the circle that we've been on in this journey. And after this question, then we'll open it up to questions from the audience and uh, we'll be able to kind of wing it from there and uh, see how we can answer some of their questions. So so we've come full circle, except for the fact that you've done all these things, you've been safer than heck and you've done your best job. And all of a sudden you're away from home either before a game somewhere after and one of our student athletes test positive, get sick. What, what What do you do? what what happens
1: yeah uh, and we've seen it already bob so this is real and this is what we touched on the very beginning if you don't have this plan in place spend some time this week putting this plan in place um and i actually we actually asked virginia tech if we could give this example they had they had on a football trip uh they had a positive test on a friday night um and so i think what everybody is doing is if someone tests positive the hotel room they're in is where they're staying and they're not leaving that room. And if they had a roommate, you get that roommate out right away and get them into another room. And you, um, you know, it's a quarantine situation, just like it would be if they're anywhere else food is being dropped off at their door. Um, But the plan in place is what are you going to do now? Uh, Can you get them home? Can you get them back to school? You don't want to create a spreading situation where now they're infecting other people. So uh, what Virginia Tech did, uh, we rented a vehicle to have them driven the, the student athlete driven home. It was an SUV with the plexiglass. Plexiglass. The driver knew what they were, who they were with, and they knew it was a uh, an infected patient. Um, I think whether the school is going to have somebody, an administrator or coach, drive them uh, drive that infected person themselves, or they're going to hire somebody. They're generally looking for, you know, quite honestly, somebody who's already been infected, hopefully with, that, with some immunity built up, um, <clears throat> but they're getting them driven back. And then you also, you know, some cases their parents have, uh, are coming to pick them up, but where do you take them? Are you taking them back to campus? Are you taking them home? Are you taking them to a facility that, that's taking it? You, you need to have all this in place. If it's too far away to drive, are you going to fly them? That gets into a lot bigger challenge. So maybe you talk about that on campus right now. How far are we willing to drive them back? How far are we willing to d- deal with that with the ground solution? And there may be no limit to that, really, unless you're on an island. Um, because the flight option is really hard. Are you going to leave them there for 14 days? Are you going to leave somebody with them? Are you going to send somebody out there to, to sub in to be taking care of them? Um, they are quarantined. So you can only take care of them to a certain amount. So these are these are the hard questions that have to be dealt with.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, it is reality and it is again for, um, for, you know, some institutions have not dipped their toe in that water yet. And hopefully some of the information, some of the, the knowledge that you've shared with us today, they'll be able to utilize in the future. And uh, I know that, you know, if people have questions afterwards, I know uh, we'll, we'll have some email addresses on the screen later where they can contact you or some of your staff members just to, to, to ask some questions. Uh, you can see it right here, uh, Jimmy O'Connor. But we do have uh, the first question that we have uh, from the audience. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it's not surprising. Um, any suggested wording for travel hotel contracts? To protect against last minute cancellation penalties in the event COVID type of occurrences, act of God are probably not sufficient. So again, it's always that. Um, I know you're uh, uh, by education, you're a CPA, not an attorney, but uh, I know you've had to wear a lot of hats in these 30 years, John. So uh, what kind of uh, education can you pass along to our members?
1: Yeah, we've gotten friendly with a lot of attorneys in this uh, and school attorneys to help us The force
0: majeure language is, is, um,
1: you're right. It's not the same and it probably didn't cover this. Um, but it can be, but it can be, um, updated to include something for the virus uh, and for a pandemic. Um, we've got a clause that we've gone standard on all these things. Um, I think a lot of conference offices could probably help here or university general counsel office. Um, Uh, I don't mean to make this a a commercial plug. If you're a client of ours, yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you that language. I don't know it off the top of my head and I don't have it here, but uh, you know, you just asked uh, for that email address, Bob. So Jim O'Connor at anthonytravel.com ask him to help to uh, how we can help on that. Um, As I said earlier for the NCA, we've canceled $28 million of hotel contract without any fees and we've canceled $17 million of hotel contracts for schools. So we've got the language, and the and the partners are on the hotel side are definitely working with us to make it work. So we can help you on that. Okay, I just don't know it off the top of my head. Sorry.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, next question: Are schools spending money for extra buses to keep kids in one row, especially when you're talking non-revenue sports? How 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 are they doing that?
1: They are. Um, Every school has to make their own decisions, buses, uh, and, and you know, budgets, obviously. But they are definitely using more buses than ever. And by the way, track and swim, but track, for as long as I've been in this business, have been cramming more people into smaller spaces than any other sport. Um, it's unfortunate for the track student athletes, but you know, they were more likely to be putting a lot of people in a hotel room and in a van and in a bus. And so I'm not sure how they want to handle it at each school, but um, as a general rule, schools are creating more space right now. Yes.
2: Right.
0: Okay. Well, again, to take off on that question, um, we talked earlier about the busing situation, the potentiality of of bus companies going out of business. Um, Looking at the winter, spring sports, um, when a lot of those sports are using buses, how will that impact the teams? Great question. Um, We don't know how this will all play out is
1: the honest, uh, the only real frank answer on that. Um, Without any government assistance, will we lose some bus companies? Yeah, we will. Um, Will government assistance come in this new package if a package gets approved? I got no idea. Um, I know the government, the bus industry lobbyists are trying, but I don't have any insight as to whether they'll get it or not. The equipment, you know, it's kind of like the airlines. It's even if it's not in use, it's out there and it's parked somewhere. So, um, I think others will look at it as opportunities. There are some great bus operators out there. I I think the bus industry has come a long way in the last, uh, 25 years. So my guess is somebody will pick it up, but there will be supply and demand challenges. I'm I'm also guessing prices will go up because they're having to spend extra time and money on the cleaning process. Um, some of their competition may go away right now. There's an abundance of supply, but I think that could get flipped in the spring here. Um, hopefully you've got really strong relationships in your, in your local market or with your travel partner. Um, in our case on any given weekend in the fall, like last fall, this weekend, last fall, we had 350 buses contracted moving around the country with teams on any given weekend in the fall. That means we're talking to bus companies every single day and when we're probably their best customer. So, uh, in this case of this question, I apologize to anybody who doesn't get the bus, but we want, the, we want to get our buses first because we're their best customer and I'm not referring to, you know, team versus team. I'm just referring to maybe the local, um, you know, social group that was going to go to a casino or something. Maybe they're going to fall down the list, but, uh, our partners know what our needs are, and we're we're in, as I say, every day communicating with them. So I think we'll be okay.
0: Yeah. Well, good. Well, uh, you know, put your CPA hat back on. With uh, with 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 all these additional buses being needed for travel, and all these hotel rooms been, being needed for travel, um, obviously the price is going up. And as you know, athletics departments, uh, their budgetary constraints are are just never been seen before. Um, how do you try to save money when you uh, when you're in this environment? I mean, it's 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 incredibly difficult. And um, what how have you been able to assist maybe some of your your uh, athletics uh, departments uh, to save save where they can?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'd say the simple answer in two words: it's it's uh, relationships and leverage. So. You know, college athletics is spending a lot of money on travel and hopefully you as a department, uh, you as a coach, you as an administrator are working with people who recognize that and what you do for them and can help you. Um, In our case, yeah, that's we built our whole business around that. And so having good partnerships, you know, between us and our schools and and I hope everybody at every school has a great relationship with their travel partner. Um, And then what can what can we do for you then on the flip side? It's great that a school has leverage with their with their local hotel, with their local bus company. It's even better if they have that leverage on the road with a hotel they go back to repeatedly and a bus partner and an airline partner that they use regularly. But you're going to get a lot more if you've got a ways to leverage that with others, which is what we do. And you mentioned earlier, 85 partners rely on us every day for that. So we're bringing a lot of leverage to those conversations, trying to trying to save that money for our partners, you know, as you've, as you've mentioned in this walk through the cycle of travel
0: with every vendor along the way. Right. Excellent. We're talking about, you know, saving money. Um, a lot of institutions and individuals were issued vouchers, airline vouchers. Uh, past yeah. spring. Um, you think they'll be able to be used this upcoming winter and spring for travel? I will say I am
1: really impressed by the airline industry through this. You know, they haven't always had the greatest reputation and they have been so accommodating. Now, part of it is they got $25 billion as an industry and that comes with some strings attached, like, you know, don't uh, take our money and rake your customers over the coals here with the flying public, but they've been great partners and they have continued to extend utilization dates for us Um, And so um, most of the ones, the vouchers we have with unused tickets, they've extended out to June of 22. I mean, think about that. That's two years almost that they've given for those for that usage. So I think it's a moving target. It's kind of like, you know, Bob Bowlesby has said from the start, we're making decisions based on the information we have today. Same thing with the airlines. They're making information decisions based on the information they have today. They've been great on extending that when they've put deadlines out. As they, as things have changed and the virus hasn't ended as hoped, uh, they've extended. And I, I would hope they would continue to do that.
5: Okay.
0: Great. Uh one more question and then I'll turn it over to you to close, and then I'll say a few words and we'll let folks get back to business. Um, last question is are the bus comp are the bus rental companies dictating capacity restrictions, or is that based on the renter's discretion? Yes. <laughs> There's
1: both. Uh, some bus companies are uh, restricting um, and some are allowing schools to do whatever they, they want. If a bus, if, if a school is totally, if a bus company is totally leaving it up to a school, great. It's up to you. If it is a bus company that has a distancing requirement and you don't want to comply with that, um, that's something that should be figured out in advance and they're allowing you to sign a waiver um, that they're going to require a waiver so that you can't come back to them and say that you would, uh, that the bus company put you in harm by, by having you, you know, seated too closely,
0: so. Interesting. All right. Um, okay. We've, about, uh, we've got about three minutes left. Um, if you'd like to share some, um, some words of wisdom, uh, leave our folks with some words of wisdom, that'd be great. Uh, this has been a great session. Uh, if you'd like to say a few words in closing, I'll do the same. And then, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll we'll end the session today.
1: Well, thanks. As I said at the beginning, I'm grateful for this chance to be with you and to be with everybody who uh, gave this hour up to, be, to learn from us or to hear us or to ask us questions. I appreciate it. This is a crazy time. It is new to everyone. Um, we're all relying on experts in every space to help us get through it, whether it's uh, the medical field or um, you know, how we're dealing with our stadiums, how our universities reopened or how we're dealing with distance learning, all of that, I would say the travel industry is the same thing. So find a good partner, choose an expert. Um, It's all doable. It's all likely to change on a regular basis. Just, you know, as we said earlier, relationships have a great partner, um, and and they'll take care of you uh, to the best of their ability, hopefully.
0: Excellent. Well, John, thank you today. Thank you for doing this. I know your staff uh, did a lot of behind the scenes work. Uh, Your on location staff was phenomenal. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, we look forward to continuing our great relationship that we've had with Anthony Travel. Um, Members out there, please. uh, This is a different world. As you know, you've been living it. Any questions, Anthony Travel has been great. Jimmy O'Connor, be able to answer any questions you might have, even if you're not a customer. Um, they're gra- very gracious to be able to share information with you. Um, utilize your our friends at Anthony Travel. Utilize your, your, uh, your peers in the conference. I mean, there are no, there, nobody has all the answers to this. Uh, and again, our job is to make sure that our student-athletes travel safely so that they compete at the utmost of their ability. So thank you again for joining us today. John, thank you again, and your staff and everybody please be safe out there.
2: Thank you.